Hello, and welcome to the Bardic Inspiration. Hello, and welcome back to Bardic Inspiration. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the genies, uh, which include the Dao, the Efridi, the Jin, and the Merid. The Dao of... Uh, have any of you guys used them? Like, what, what, what are they? What, what elemental plane are they? They are from the elemental plane of Earth. In my mind, they are very calm, cool-headed. In a way, they kind of remind me as if you could imagine dwarves, but more stubborn and with innate magic powers. Okay, so specifically, they are from the plane of Earth. What kind of powers do they have? Do they like? Elemental demise. If it, oh no, actually all of the all of them have some sort of elemental demise, don't they? Yes, they all do. So yeah. basically, if they if any sort of genie dies, so in this case with Dao, they all have an elemental demise where their body will basically disintegrate and it will disappear away in some elemental form. So in the case of a Dao, uh, when it disintegrates, it kind of just turns into like this powdered like crystal that's on the ground. And then any, like, equipment that it has will also collapse to the ground with it. But basically, you're never going to find, like, a dead body of a genie. So you can't, like, resurrect it through normal means. Right. It just fades away. Exactly. I imagine... You can't use, like, a revivify or anything. Right. I imagine that dead dust, though, is some pretty potent magical components for wizards or the like. Yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. Just like they... crafting items from the crystals that it... Well, yeah, either craft... crafting items from the, the dead, you know crystals from the Dao or the like uh, from the other genies, but or using them to empower your spells. So, uh, Morgan's Earth of Grasp, I think is oh, the spell. Yeah. Make it stronger, you know? Yeah. Using the ashes or the, the, the crystals from a Dao, perhaps maybe it bumps it up the spell level. Mm-hmm. See, Just using the extra components. My thought was when saying Elemental Demise, I almost thought the way you were starting to describe it that when they died, that they would explode. Much like, like a method. Yeah. And my thought was it would be more like when they die that a lot of their magical essence is more or less expelled out in some sort of elemental force. That'd be kind of cool. Like a, instead of like it turns into crystals, it mm-hmm. causes an earthquake. Or, you know, like a whirlwind for the djinn or a, like a firestorm. Something along those lines. What about the Tao? It's, it's still exploding the crystals, but every time the crystals hits the earth it shoots out spires of earth like spikes. yeah it creates earth from it, it like, like it just yeah, shoots columns out. of it uh, yeah not like very kind of almost dangerous terrain uh, yeah. basically to show the fact that it, it still has a very magical essence and once it dies it's got to go somewhere yeah mm-hmm. now do the genies return to the elemental plane after they die or do they just die they just die Okay. Yeah, they when they die, doesn't matter where they are, they're just dead. They yeah, don't it's like not go like back and regenerate or anything. Okay. When when you kill them, that's pretty much it. Okay. How long can genies live normally? Do they have an age? Not that I saw. Um, not that I'm aware of either. I would imagine they could live for just any natural or unnatural period of time. They yeah. just live until they're killed. They yeah. are nature Which, itself. In some instances, I would assume are likely. Or in addition to death, they could also be captured, used um, for their powers. Mm-hmm. So. 
Now, getting back into the Tao, how I said they were very uh, down-to-earth, very much like dwarves, but more stubborn. Um, I don't mean dwarves as in, oh, we're very clan-oriented and everything. I mean dwarves as in they have a, a fancy for precious metals and earth. And the very old stereotypical idea that dwarves were slavers. Um, because the Tao are very proud slavers. They trade for slaves with whatever they can, you know, they have money or the like. So the fact that if you see a Tao or maybe there's a slave operation going on, mm. a Tao would be a great boss for this, this operation. Somehow he's trapped on the prime material plane. And he's and trying now, to make a business. Well, maybe not in the business. Maybe he's using these slaves to mine out precious metals that would mm. help him return back home. Or they're mining out these tunnels to find that that uh, rift in in the plains so that he can return home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you said that they are slavers. So, as far as the monster manual, all of the genies have a different alignment. The, the Tao have neutral evil, so, like, they're not chaotic, they're just straight, oh, we're just gonna take over, you know, there's there's no good about it, there's no bad about it, just... Just do. Yep, you are Well, they're, my, they're my very self-focused. Like, their, their goal is a lot about self-growth uh, of, like, their own power. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not, like, like you said, they're neutral evil, so they're not lawful. Like, they don't <clears throat> abide by, like, some sort of rules or a set system or anything. Yeah. So they're totally okay with ideas such as, like, betrayal or just doing things to get the, what they want. But they also have a plan. They're not just kind of going around causing mayhem for the sake of mayhem. Like, mm -hmm. they do have a goal in mind. Right. Just not necessarily one that involves around a structure of some sort. Now, would you say that the Tao are, are greedy? I would agree with that, absolutely. Yeah. I could see, kind of like what you were saying, a campaign where they're either like in charge of like a mining operation, or maybe they're part of like one, like a group of them, or like one of their plans is to basically like destroy like a section of world essentially just so they can mine for those resources hmm. okay. so to say now another cool thing about them though which kind of goes with this is they do have another ability which is earth glide so they don't necessarily need to like create holes they can actually just move through earth much like nice. earth elementals yes yeah, almost as if it's like water essentially so hmm. they can just move through it so they don't necessarily need to like create tunnels or anything to mine they could just go down there and grab it themselves I kind of imagine that as a uh, like an inner dimension between the elemental plane of Earth and the elemental or the prime plane or wherever they're at, and it's kind of that in between space where so they don't really go into the Earth; it's kind of disappear into a portal that's kind of in between the two, and then they come out from another. I'm kind of thinking more like they're dirt. They yeah. turn to dirt that just slips right through everything. Yeah, like kind of like a, a ghost or. I yeah. guess that would make sense too. I don't know. I just that's the way I kind of always thought of it. Um, so, is there anything else that they're they're kind of more focused on? Maybe combat prowess or well, they do have the the simple maul as a as a weapon. They have their fists. Um, the spells that they can cast are different than any other genies. Of course, they have like pass wall or uh, move earth stone shape. Stuff like that, that that's more controlled to their element which is i mean of course that that would be something they would have but puts them aside from any others 
do we want to delve into like how we would use them or would would we like to use that as a later thing as how no let's go ahead and okay kind of separate into it i do want to point out that i think it's hilarious and and makes sense that the Dao are immune to being petrified mm. they can't be turned to stone it makes sense because they are the lords of stone <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking. My, my idea that just kind of popped in my head is that the possibility of a, a with the relation in some sort of means that between a Dao and a dwarf and similarities that and a Dao would try to enslave a dwarf civilization. Sure. And try and use them as a resource to gain some sort of means of power. Or possibly a Durgar. I was going to say that they already are slaves. They're already great miners. Right. And they're, yeah, I mean. Smurf Neblin, the the deep gnome. Smurf Neblin, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, definitely. um, Because it goes in in line with their their slavers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they come to this plane, take over the earth, you know. Not literally. Yeah. Um, If I were to do it, I would probably some form of I like the idea of accidentally stumbling into the other planes okay so maybe the party is going through the underdark or they're helping out a dwarven mine clear its mine and then all of a sudden this tunnel just keeps going and going and going and eventually it's like oh maybe we should turn around well they go to turn around and now they're being ambushed by by other creatures not necessarily the Dao themselves but they're being ambushed by the creatures, say gargoyles, or uh, what's that one? The Gur Gur. Uh, the Galabder. Galabder. So, those are both uh, of the the prime Earth kind of sense. So they get the party gets captured by them, whether they try to fight or they escape. They escape. Um, they stumble across maybe a grand city, and they learn, okay, well, crap! It's like every denizen that belongs to the Earth. Whether it's dwarf slaves, surf Nebulin slaves, um, Gorgons, or not Gorgons, uh, Medusas, mm-hmm. um, you know, gargoyles, there's sentries for it, basilisks, you know, basilisks, yeah, this, this sort of things. Cockatrices, your little farming foods mm-hmm. that kind of run around. <laughs> uh, like I can see that kind of happening with this Dow. It's I just don't like think I'd ever want to go to this place. It sounds awful. Well, any plane of existence that's not the prime would be pretty dangerous for a, a normal person. Fair, fair. Yeah. And stumbling there on accident it would be even that more difficult because then you're not prepared. Even if you escape from this. Okay, well which tunnel leads which way? Alright. Kind of like that idea. Uh, another thing with them mechanically, which is what I like if you ever run them in combat is that as far as like the actual combat is concerned, like you said, they pretty much use a maul. Uh, part of the ability with that maul is, is they can knock enemies prone. So their whole idea is to pretty much just deal a lot of damage with a heavy weapon. Their spells, however, which is interesting about Daos in particular, is like we said, they can use like stone shape, move earth and everything. And so one of the things they can also do, because they also have wall of stone, the, they can use their magic to manipulate the battlefield, essentially. So, say, for example, the Dao is in a fight with a group of adventurers, and, you know, like, say, like, they have, like, two fighters and, like, a couple of mages or something. So what the Dao could do is throw up a wall of stone, 
split that party in half so you have like the casters on one side and the fighters on the other it can move through earth so it could just move through either side of that wall mm. and the party is now split off so say it wants to go for those mages it could throw up the wall trap the fighters on one side go through the wall and start attacking the mages fighters now have to spend a turn or two trying to get to the other side a similar idea with that i had to actually check this before i mentioned it was move earth is another spell they have kind of works the same way they can actually manipulate terrain essentially they can quite literally shape the uh terrain how they want so you can keep moving the battlefield and that way you can keep making it difficult for the party because now they have to in addition to thinking how are we going to kill this dao they also have to start thinking to themselves how are we just going to make it to the dao or to each other what about move earth moving the wall itself so going back to your example of the this the separating the party Okay, well, how about moving that wall to slowly decrease the space that these creatures have? Yeah, they could do that, too. The only thing with downside of move there is, is, is it doesn't move the terrain fast enough to, like, deal damage, necessarily. Yeah. So. Well, I was thinking more but about yeah, I get what you're trapping. Talking. Okay, so mm -hmm. you got your two casters. Well, you get on the other side, and now you're fighting caster one-on-one. They're always in melee range, mm -hmm. and they're not going to throw up a fireball. Not a wise one, anyways. I think that's the way that they enslave people. Yeah, yes, to separate them from a party and separate them and bind them. Because <clears throat> I don't know if it would be enough to, like, if they could move the earth enough to restrain these creatures, so basically pin them to the wall. But I could see it moving and basically reducing the space so that they either have to fight it one on one or they're basically now succumb to the rest of the uh, Jin spells. Or sorry, the Dao spells. The Dao spells. Um, speaking of the Jin. Let's uh, delve into the the air genie. I love Jin, just because they are the iconic. They are what you think of when you think of Aladdin's genie or the genie in a bottle with the three wishes. And now to say with the three wishes, not every genie can cast them. Only the princes of genies. So mm -hmm. princes and the royalty of genies have that much power to cast said spells. The jinn are the, the chaotic good. They would probably be, if a party is looking for a genie for some whatever reason, quest or the like, my advice as a random NPC would be to seek out a jinn. Not to say that they won't screw you over in a little way, but they are more likely to do you more good than harm. What do you guys think? They're, they're the iconic genie. I mean, when you think of genie, you think of, I'm going to rub this lamp, and a genie's going to come out, you know, or a djinn. So, I don't know. If not all of them can cast a uh, wish, I don't know if I'd want to rub that lamp. I might just try to kill XP, me. XP, Jacob. XP. But, <laughs> but risk of death. Maybe the difference between a prince and a regular djinn is the three wishes versus one. Do they normally cast right. one? No, they, they don't normally have the ability to cast wishes. But I'm saying, like, maybe in, say, a higher magic setting, the genie's mm. difference between a regular genie or uh, and a, a prince or a royalty genie is the difference between three genies or you each get one wish to your party gets one wish and one wish only. And that's yeah. all I can do. And also, other than the, the Tao, the... The Jin are chaotic good, so they do have the good bent. Yeah, it's it's could be uh, turned against you, but they're not evil. Like you, if you rub the lamp, they're gonna hopefully help you. 
Um, I mean, that's kind of my thought as well. So of all of the genies, Jin are actually the best natured in that sense. Yeah. Like you said, they're chaotic good. So uh, on the subject of wishing, and in this case with the Jin, of all, they always try, all genies try whenever you use a wish spell, they try to bend that spell in right. some way that it benefits them. They will grant you that wish, but if they can twist the way that you word that wish, they'll make it to your, their benefit as much as possible. Now, in the case of a jinn, they're the most likely that are going to actually, like, if they twist it to their favor, it's probably not going to be in a way that makes life as terrible for you as if you do it with, say, a Tao, like we said, yeah. or who's Greek. probably going to make life a lot worse for you. One of the things I also like about Jim, just on a side note, uh, because they're all elemental based, my favorite thing about them is they fight with the scimitar and they have lightning. So mm -hmm. you get hit with the scimitar and you're like, ow, it hurt because it slashed me. And then you're like, ow, it zapped me too. Yeah. I imagine one could try and pass off in a world as, say, a god of partying. Say, like, uh, what's the Greek god of partying? Uh, of partying? Oh, Dionysus? Yes. Because of the ability that uh, Jin have in, mm. with the create food and water spell, mm. they can create food and wine instead. Nice. That is a, a, a slight ability. So I could see them trying to pass off as like a god of, of, of parties or of wines. And sure. So I kind of like that idea that like maybe, just maybe, that the gods weren't really gods. They were just D&D &D monsters. I've thought about that too. Like with these four elementals, they're just gods of a... Uh, uh, a homebrew world or something along those mm -hmm. lines yeah they're challenge rating 11 all four of them but that's still a lot for lower level characters so yeah they they can be seen as gods well well then that gives the, another idea that you could even in a situation have in your campaign either the entire world or a section of the world where yeah you could have like four uh, genies in the, that are like these four different gods to you. So in this case, they could see a jinn and they're like, oh, this is like the god of like thunder and lightning and yeah. parties. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they have like these festive banquets and they have this very elaborate and decorative palace and they're like, we're going to serve you the best food and wine. And then they just make it appear in front of you just at the flick of a wrist. Yep. I think the one thing that I'd probably change with these these uh, genies is the languages that they speak. Um, just because they're in the monster manual, they're very focused on okay. Well, a Jin speaks Oren, a a Dao speaks Terran. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would allow it that they speak all of Primordial. Yeah, that maybe they have some sort of understanding. Maybe not entirely fluent. The way I do it is with Primordial. If your character knows Primordial, you pick one. That's okay. the one you speak. You can understand the rest. Okay. You can only speak the one. Gotcha. Unless um, you obviously learn how to speak or write the others. Now, on the subject of the genies, though, they also know tongues. Hmm. So they can just cast tongues and just communicate with anyone however they want. That is so true. normally, if they're talking with someone, they can just talk in, you know, just their language. Say, for example, if they're on their native plane... But assuming they're not being in like an anti-magic field or something, and they're just free to do what they want with their powers, they can communicate to everyone if they need to. Yeah, yeah that makes um, sense. In a short capacity, but they still can do it. It'd be interesting to see what a genie does in an anti-magic field. Because 
cease to exist. In the yeah. case of a, in the case of a genie, just or in, a, in the case of a jinn, it just starts speaking wind. Yeah, <laughs> 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 right. I'm, I'm sorry. Can you speak louder? Your just your voice is like a very soft breeze. <laughs> And now uh, it's getting a lot. I imagine that like louder. a jinns would be sound like a thunderstorm if they're angry. Oh yeah, sure. like it, it sounds. Oh, like... and they're very quiet and peaceful. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. very like airy and like breezy and like very like just very like nice and calming. Mm-hmm. And then when they get like angry, then it starts like booming thunderous sounds. You're like, We're you're inside. Like... How is it raining? <laughs> you're like calm down, and then they cast thaumaturgy, and you're like turn it off. <laughs> um. How would you guys use it mechanically? Uh, uh, sorry, use a gin mechanically in your world. An idea that I've had for a, a, a gin in particular would be um, for it to probably be with like a group of like cloud giants or something, hmm. and they have like a cloud castle, so it's basically just a flying fortress essentially. And my idea would be that the the uh, the gin that lives on it is almost like a sort of like an ambassador or like advisor to these cloud giants so it's not necessarily in charge but it's something that those giants very much respect because he is like this very powerful being of an element that they're kind of descended from in a sense mm, okay um and i could also see them because they're chaotic good another way that you could use them we don't talk about this that often but in the idea of like an evil campaign so you have a party full of a bunch of evil characters because they are chaotic good say it runs into the party and it sort of like offers up this idea of oh i will like help or like do wishes or whatever and then because it's chaotic it kind of messes things up and puts them in a situation where that evil party is like oh we don't really want this guy around anymore because he's actually trying to stop us hmm. Ooh. oh okay i see he's yeah. like he's, he's actually secretly trying to yeah. Say you're in a fight and, like, he accidentally pushes one of the party members off of a cliff. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize my whirlwind would throw you right, 15 but feet from I the did cliffside. stop that angel from hitting you, though, so yes. you're welcome. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one of my ideas was, so the Aarakocker, as a tribe, they have the ability to summon wind elementals. So instead of summoning a wind elemental, they summon a jid when in dire need. Like they have some additional items or, or relics. Say when a blue dragon is destroying their home. Yeah, then they would try or summon a a jin, asking you know either for wishes or for just granting some help towards their tribe, in order to just let them survive a little longer. Yeah. Or or maybe even Eric Cocker go for the wish of, hey, can we live for another 30 years? I was going to say, it would be interesting to see an Eric Cocker try and do this and be greedy about it. Yeah. Because uh, if I remember, Eric Cocker are pretty greedy as well. I will sacrifice my life, maybe, if you grant the rest of my tribe 30 additional years of life. Yeah. Oh, let's go with the opposite. I will sacrifice my dri- my tribe for 30 additional years of life. <laughs> yeah. I like this. I, I actually just thought about this, but like one of their variants is like disguises so like this genie just shows up in different forms to the party like every other level you know like as a different npc mm-hmm. and just outdupes them like in every other way like uh there's there's a fighter who who's just he comes up i'm better than you you know in every way or i'm a sorcerer 
I'm better than you in every single way. And just like, just helps the party, but outdoes them and makes their ego go down a little bit. As they're leveling, you know, like, because they get confidence. So and... like a rival from Pokemon. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> He's oh, Gary. Okay. I've seen that a little Hello, different. Hello, my name is Gary. <laughs> I've seen that a little different then, because the way you were at first describing it, it sounded like, okay, you're always going to bring this overpowered character mm-hmm. every time that there's a party... Like, they go and fight a, a, a monster or a boss or something, and then just outdo them. After a while, I feel like the party be like, well, then, you go do it. I know, but he'll leave and then go turn into someone else and then show up again. So there's always that Oh, he's not appearing as a gym. No, no, he's peering at oh, someone else. Because okay. he can. Yeah. He's a, it's the disguise, so they can turn into whatever they want. The only worry I would have about this, and you would have to play it carefully, is... Mm-hmm. You're uh, taking away from your player's agency because if you do it constantly, like every other battle or so often, then the players I imagine wouldn't want to continue adventuring. They'd be like, "Well, then let's just get the gold from these guys and retire." But then there's also the fact that you guys are going to show up, and like there's people that you're going to find NPCs that are higher level than you, like, and well, they're going to help you. But then this one, yeah, specifically. Just to outdo the party, or a specific member in the party, just to boost their, like, not boost their confidence, but lower it. Yeah, it's an ego check, I get it. Yeah, it's an ego check. Uh, I just worry... Or maybe maybe it's just that one time where you guys are just so confident in yourselves, that it's just like, I'm gonna throw this at them, they don't know, you know, how it's gonna go, but... I wouldn't mind more ideas to where they stay more in the sidelines, Mm -hmm. and like... From the shadows literally mess with their battles as they go yeah just constantly just just tricking them or like if they wronged the genie at one point and they just thought that he just decided to screw with them the entire time i could see that because kind of like the idea like oh i will use my third wish to set you free from your internal prison mm-hmm. and then they don't yeah yeah then they could be like okay cool well i don't have a current master because you guys already used up all three of your wishes i'm gonna mess with you guys as much as i can right but i'm gonna still help the greater good that. I was just trying to figure out like how to use it in a more chaotic bent, like yeah. other than just help the party, you know. I like the way uh, of twisting words, like the accidental saying of "I wish you guys would just be quiet" and then. Oh man, yeah. I, I've waste always the hated the fear of that when it comes to genies. Like, don't say the phrase anywhere near a genie. Yeah, you might just end up really hate yeah. like, you say I wish and they all start leaning in with their ears cupped and they're yes. like go on <laughs> um, so on the flip side mechanic subject of uh, Dijon's so one of the other nice things about them uh, if you look at their spells so unlike what we were saying with the Tao a lot of their spells aren't necessarily combat useful a lot of them are more utility or travel or moving around so, kind of similar to the subjects of both helping the party or hindering the party, they can travel really quickly because they have things like wind walk, they have gaseous form, and so they can use those to kind of move around really quick. They can move an entire party like just literally as wisps, wisps of clouds and can move them around really quick. So they could be like, we wish for you, uh, you to take us to such and such location and the Jin can go oh okay doesn't even have to use the wish spell just takes them yeah <laughs> but as little clouds 
And then on the same subject with uh, if they were trying to hinder a party in some way, they could fly in, cause some mayhem, and then just fly out. They don't necessarily want to stay and fight, per se. Um, And then they have a bit of battlefield control as well, so they have... It seems like a lot of the spells that the genies have are kind of uh, either utilitarian or they're they're very battle manipulation. Yeah. uh, yeah. Battlefield manipulation. Yeah. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to throw a fireball, 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 as far as the Mm Ifrit. You know, they have a minor ability where they can do that, but it's not like their their main go-to as far as spell focus. Yeah. Right. As far as their battlefield control, they do have Create Whirlwind, where they, as the name implies, create a whirlwind, which basically can trap characters for a period of time um and to get out of it they do need a rather high strength saving throw so a lot of the time parties tend to favor decks and speed yeah so this is an instance where a jin can get a battle in its favor by using that whirlwind to get the players that don't use strength and then the characters with strength that's a lot easier for them to beat then, then again, he could do that and you just have the barbarian suddenly pop out of the whirlwind and get uh, screw him over. Yeah, this is a time where all your strength-based fighters mm-hmm. uh, uh, would definitely shine. All right, let's transition over to the lawful evil uh, genie, the Afridi. Unlike the uh, the Jin and the the Dao, this one is the fire elemental. What's different? They are lawful evil, kind of like the Dao, except they are. They seem to be more for themselves or the betterment of themselves rather than for, say, their own people. Um, whereas the Dao would kind of work together in their city, I would, I can see the Ifrit working out for themselves or maybe their direct higher up or direct family relations. Mm. Um, these are the also the opposite side of wishes. The two typical. Uh, genies that you would see granting wishes would be the Jinn and then the Ifrit or Ifriti. Um, the Ifriti are the ones, the, the monkey's paw, where they do everything they can to warp and twist or uh, your, either your words, the way you say a wish. These are the reason why we, uh, why there are, are lawyer players that have three page documents of how this wish is supposed to go out. Look at the fine print. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, ignorant characters beware. You'll get screwed by this genie. Yeah, definitely don't let your stereotypical barbarian, you know, ask a wish. But mm. then again, those are also the most fun, is True. trying to recuperate after said wish. But they're they're pretty awesome as far as they can throw hand fireballs. And it's kind of like, um, what's that? Meteor spell, the, the minute meteors. Oh, minute, most way, meteors. Minute meteors. Yeah, it, it's. I see it kind of like that as a normal attack, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but then it has a very range of of combative spells too. Their spells aren't very utilitarian or defensive. They're very more aggressive or, you know protect myself kind of deals like invisibility or plane shift you know i'm low on health i'm gonna get the heck out of there right but there and there again there's also all the other genies have plane shift too so yeah i i i mean i'm looking at this their spells but their only at will is detect magic 
Whereas everyone else that we've gone over and we'll go over another one has different like uh, like stone shape or uh, even like attack spells like thunder wave. So I I don't know. They seem more martial. Yeah, definitely martial. Um, and yeah, it's just. It would have been kind of interesting if they got Branding Smite at will. That would be cool. I, I would probably... I uh, wouldn't mind seeing something. It would make sense. Yeah, I would probably... Uh, can or not cannon that, to homebrew that into a gen. Yeah. Or Definitely gaming. be terrifying to come hand-to-hand with it. Well, if you do check the Afridi's combat, so they have, like you said, they either have mini fireballs or in the book it's a hurl flame, mm-hmm. um, which is a spell attack, technically. It is a ranged spell attack. Uh, it's against a single target and on a hit uh, does 5d6 fire damage and they can do it twice per turn or alternatively their default weapon of choice is a scimitar which does its regular scimitar damage but automatically deals an additional 2d6 fire damage also it already does it does kind of already have a bit of like a built in um, so to say smite effect to it right which is great because it's got the martial and it's got the ranged. Yeah, so they they have a lot of versatility for combat, and both of them do more or less around the same damage. It's uh, hurl flame is actually stronger mm-hmm. uh, by would, the numbers. I would say that scimitar is stronger because you're guaranteed the fifth d six is automatically a six. Oh, the seven. yes, you're right. I'm like it's guaranteed six because uh, of its uh, at, uh, strength. Its strength mm. has a plus six to its, which also brings to mind that it helps add to the fact that these are very martial characters. They have very, they're very strong, very uh, constitutional. They're, they have a high constitution rather. Uh, <laughs> very constitutional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we the people, out we. for the people. They're making, the people. <laughs> making contracts. Making contracts. <laughs> yeah, I could kind of see. These working in tandem with devils mm-hmm. in order to either secure contracts or to create contracts with, say, lords of the prime, of the prime material plane. I, I do see them very like, hey, this devil is going to send you a genie, but it sends you an Ifri that's it'll grant your first wish to your wish, but then the other two, after you get sucked in, kind of like, like it, it'll suck you in with this first wish. That you are now in a binding contract, you have two more wishes. So I don't know. It's I can see a lot of narrative, like storyline games, and then the, there's also the magic item Efreeding in a bottle, which is another genie in a bottle, or right. Yeah. Now, now you're saying you could see it. Now, how has everyone thought about using one or used one in their campaign? I know we've come across one. Dan, you want to talk about that? You did. You came across my campaign. Um, So one of the things that in the case with the Afridi that I did was I looked at the Afridi bottle and my first thought was, oh, that's kind of cool, but I don't just want to give away that that's what it is. So it was, uh, I combined it with an ever-smoking bottle. Um, And one of the characters bought it at an auction not knowing what it was. They just thought it was an ever-smoking bottle. The people that were selling it thought it was an ever-smoking bottle. And so then, fast forward a few sessions later, uh, the party was going into a werewolf den uh, with a order of some paladins. And during the fight, the uh, 
individual that had the ever smoking bottle his name was Kelvor uh, he was a fighter he decided in order to kind of help the fight to kind of give some confusion so people weren't the werewolves weren't quite sure what was coming for them decided to open the ever smoking bottle uh, which did do what he wanted which was fill the entire cavern with smoke Unfortunately, what he was not aware of is there was an Afridi trapped inside the ever-smoking bottle, and upon him opening it, uh, freed itself. And then betrayed the party at some point. <laughs> that was later. Yeah. So, uh, and this is a good idea, is because they, like you said earlier, Daniel, they're very much out for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, in the case of this Afridi, his name was Fierno. He knew that his goal was to be free of this, like, trap. Essentially, he was connected to the ever-smoking bottle, and he couldn't get away from it. Like, he couldn't actually physically move away from it as long as it existed. So when he was freed, um, being that he was a very sort of fiery, passionate individual, uh, sort of commanded uh, the people that freed him, in this case Kelvor, to let him, to break the bottle. Uh, and in doing so, the Afridi promised that it would basically restore his powers. What he didn't mention was it also meant that the Afridi would be able to do as it wanted, which um, he wasn't particularly keen on the idea of enslavement, and didn't really want to owe anything to Kelvor, and then later betrayed the party. Uh, during a boss fight, actually, which was funny because he was end up more dangerous than the actual boss itself during the fight. Alright, how about anyone else? Does anyone else have plans for theirs? The only thing I can really think of it to use it as my own is sort of the Wishmaster movie series, Wishmaster, Wishmaster 2. The premise with the Wishmaster series is that it's essentially it's a genie in a ruby. And when you touch the ruby, you gain the, uh, the, the, the three wishes. After you have the three wishes, it's a very, it's a very persuasive genie. It's like, you have three wishes. Make your wishes. What do you wish for? And the more that you don't wish, it taunts you by destroying that around you. So, you know... And you've got to be careful with these wishes, too, because with the wishes, there are two ways to get out of this contract. One is you trap the genie back in the ruby, with but you can't say, I wish you're back in the ruby, because it's kind of, at least for the movies, it was very lame. But uh, I don't know how that would work in a game. But anyways, so you either trap it back in the, in the ruby itself, or it kills you. And if it kills you, then it is free from it and it will go on to the next user, like the next person who picks it up. Its ultimate goal is to get a user, very much like Genie from Aladdin, to wish it free from its prison. And that's like the more you use it, the more it taunts you. And it's more like, use your third wish. Wish me free. I will grant you all the power I can. So it's kind of a... Almost like a... A, a patron, like a warlock patron, where it's got these three wishes, unimaginable power, but be careful what you wish for because it will, uh, it will try and kill you. And that's the other thing is if someone takes the ruby, they get three wishes too, but it doesn't 
add back if you get the ruby back you still have three wishes it's like three wishes per person who touches it it's a weird movie it's very gore r rated r for our younger listeners so don't go on looking and reading it or watching it without parental permission but it was a very good premise for like how i would use it how to use it uh, really hot-headed genie <laughs> Yep. So let's move on to our, our final genie, the, yep. the water god sailor. I'm just kidding. No, they are the water genies. They are the married. Now, um, yeah, they're last but not least, uh, <clears throat> especially with the hit points. They're the, they're the highest hit points out of everyone. So, um, yeah, as, as Daniel said, uh, they are the they come from the water plane, and they have different. Definitely different spells or definitely uh, different attacks. Uh, this one wields a, a trident. Uh, this one looks more like a fish-like. Uh, I would it's say like a very eel. fat fish human. Yeah. It makes me think of like King Zara from Warcarina Time. Yeah. 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 Like just, but you know that image shouldn't limit you. Yeah. You should always look at these creatures and think to yourself, "Oh, these things are scary." Uh, these ones are chaotic neutral. Yeah, chaotic neutral. Uh, so they're kind of very just do whatever they want. Very on a whim. Yeah. You really don't know what a merit's going to do when you run into one. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Water could be helpful. It could be harmful. Yep. Um, uh, I also like that these are probably the only ones that I've noticed that don't have a immunity. They have more have multiple resistances, uh, both uh, to acid, cold, and lightning damage. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. For personally, that. I would probably do either cold or acid immunity. So in uh, jumping quick to back to, or jumping ahead to a story, we ran across one that was pirating a quote-unquote ghost ship. And... Like, in that scenario where they sail on the high seas, I would probably give it cold immunity rather than resistances to all three damage. Mm -hmm. Like, if you see one on the Arctic, I would definitely give it. Yeah. I mean, that that would be dependent on where it's from, I suppose. Yeah. I could see this. So, an idea I have is I would probably use this creature as a god to Kotoa. Like yep. where they worship random creatures and whatnot. <laughs> I would use the Koatoa and basically it's like, oh crap, there's a bunch of little miniature fish-like people that worship me. Yeah, I'm going to sit back and relax and then I'll go and find treasures at the bottom of the lake or, right. you know, from random adventuring parties of Drow, Durgar, or PCs. I let you say that. I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, so... All right, Magmin for the Ifridi, or, you know, like, what would worship these kind of creatures, like, mm -hmm. other than humanoids? Uh, Koatoa, I could see them working in tandem with an Aboleth, mm -hmm. more of a mutual agreement, mm -hmm. at least until the Aboleth sees that it's no longer useful. Yeah, it was, it was uh, like, it just vamps back to the water plane. So, uh, the Sohagans? Sohagans? I was seeing, I think it's Sohagan. Oh, so what about the... Marrow? The marrow? The marrow, uh, the, like, evil mermaids. Yeah. So, once again in my campaign, this is a different one um, that in AJ is a part of, not Daniel or Jacob, um, where they had, similarly, and you can see a common theme, which is I like putting genies in different types of items, is they found a decanter of endless water, 
And when they opened it, a Marin popped out. Uh, in addition to a bunch of water. And uh, Luthon was a Marid that, kind of similar to the other one that I described with Fierno, had a goal of kind of being free, but he wasn't necessarily connected to the decanter. He was just trapped inside it. Once he was freed, he could do whatever he wanted. Um, but he was a bit of an honest soul, and he was like, in return for freeing me, I'll journey with you for a while, help you out, do what I can. Um, and the way that he sounded was always just very uh, charlatan-like, because you never, everything he said just sounded like he was either trying to charm you or sweet-talk you, and at no point, I think, did any single character in my campaign actually trust this thing. Yeah, no. They, they were just always expecting him to do something wrong, and there was even a part near the end where uh, AJ's character, Akros, said to the... Uh, said to Luthon, I need you to go help me try to find my ship. And Luthon was like, alright, sounds good. And left. And Andrew then proceeded to think to himself, I don't think I'm ever going to see him again. Or my ship. And just assumed that it was going to go terribly wrong yeah. from that point forward. We did cross paths with him once more. but You did. You found him and he was actually true to his word. Yep. He was in the process of trying to get the ship back. Uh, the party happened to get to the ship at the same time that he did. Um... But as you said, he's pretty honest. Yeah, up to that as point, to... he had been pretty honest. Uh, he hadn't necessarily done anything that made the party question him. They just, from what they knew of Merids, were very doubting to his trustworthy nature. Right. I like the idea. Uh, I know this uh, that that the elemental monk isn't really a high class, like uh, higher played subclass. Yeah. But using these genes as Obviously not the princess, so don't grant wishes. But kind of a a dojo, you know, sensei, where, <laughs> where they are like the leaders and they teach new abilities to these monks as they, you know, as they visit the various dojos. Okay. I, I kind of like that. Where, yeah, the Ifridi is probably evil, so he's probably going to be a very harsh teacher. But you're going to learn. So you know what you're making me think of. Avatar? Yeah. Yeah. That was the other... Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's hard to say anything that's re regarding the elemental monk without saying... Or way of the four elemental monk. Yeah. Without regarding Avatar. True, true. See, my, my thought possibility was... I don't know exactly how connected Genasi is to a genie. All I know is that there's some form of descendant. Yeah. Yes. So... What I kind of think of it would be interesting if the genies were intentionally making genasis or had descendant genasis that they intend to use or manipulate for their own benefit. Genasi sleeper agents. I like it. Well, like, like I had in my campaign, the the genie uh, that was one of my players' uh, grandfathers. So like he slept with a human right and then his son was a genasi and then so on and so forth right so ha having nice. like a close relative to, to your genie is interesting yeah because it can always do at least something as far as story wise yeah also i mean these creatures are powerful enough that they one day four of them show up in the prime material plane at the same time and now they're trying to take over various parts of the world, basically turning it into a similar 
uh, well, version of Avatar. Yeah, more uh, everybody. Yeah, version of Avatar where like this kingdom is mine as the Dao, and well, it's going to be an Earth Kingdom. And maybe I mean you could essentially make it so that these were the four guard or uh, four gods that started the elemental paths. Yeah, that Avatar. are the giants. I see them as giant pets, like uh, pets to giants. Oh well, yeah, that's what I'm the saying. Genies you use those pets to giants. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, that's what I'm saying. Instead of maybe the genies, maybe the giants started this this world too, and the genies are just around. Mm. Well, we haven't even touched base on the fact that wouldn't they not like each other? They would be warring. Yeah. Well, exactly. Through, through the world, so it's chaos, elemental chaos in that fact. Um, so unless they find a perfectly means border, but yeah, unlikely. <clears throat> that would be. That would be a great storyline. Yeah, don't Living cross through my territory and I won't attack you with yeah. all the earth that you've put your cities on. Yeah. I like it. Uh, yeah, living in a world that's full of borders, you're constantly set out to war to fight other uh, genies. Yeah. With sleeper genasi agents. Yeah, I was going to say, genasi would be a very, very common race oh, yeah. in this world. All, all the players must be genasi of some sort. <laughs> I wouldn't say all of them. I'd say like human, elf, and dwarf would be a lot less common than they used to. Sea elf, uh, triton. Well, no. the the other part you'd have to think about with that then is you would have situations where, if you are a genasi, depending on where you are in the world at that time, you're going to be judged differently based on which kind of genasi you are. Yeah, That's true. you know, you're a fire genasi. And sure, you're... you're in the fire area. Everything's fine and dandy. You're basically like one of the upper class kind of citizens. And then as soon as you step into a water kingdom, they're going to hate your guts. Yeah. Again, Avatar. Yeah. If you haven't worse. seen Avatar, please go see it. It's a great show. You don't have to watch uh, Legend of Korra, but I would recommend it as well. It kind of gives ideas to maybe modernize some of D&D. Yeah, and kind of incorporate that into it, but definitely be interesting. Like a lot of magics tend to eventually rode away down to just the base element mm-hmm. spells, and that's what a lot of spellcasters would be using. Yeah, yeah. And re- uh, depending on how the world fits, religious powers would also diminish as well. Exactly. And let's make life a little interesting for us. Okay. So we've talked about before. So I say that. In your opinion, based on whatever criteria you want, how would you rate these guys from best to least? Mm-hmm. I... Ooh, boy. Best to least in what standard? Whatever criteria you want to use. I mean, you the wishes... that yourself. The wishes are just powerful. The wishes alone are just based off of princes. Yeah. So it could be any genie and be a prince and but wishes. based on the fact that I... I have <laughs> met... A married and worked with the married. I think uh, that's my my favorite. Um, but then, I mean, you got to go with the the classic genie, um, and then the Dao, and then the Afridi. I, I I don't know if I like the Afridi as much as the others. I like the Afridi, but okay. that's just what me. would be your order, Jake? Mmm, boy. Um, it would probably be it, it's. I have a tie between Ifridi and the uh, the Jin. Okay. So it'd be one of those two, then the Dao, and then the uh, Medrid. The Merid. Merid. Okay. Daniel. I I um I grew up with Aladdin. Yeah. I I've got to pick 
if I don't pick Jin as my top favorite, just in general, I, I would regret it later. See, I personally, I, I like the style of Jafar in the Genie. It's probably why I kind of mm. have a tie between the two. I yeah, like, yeah, but I, I'm the one that likes the more intense styles anyway. So I, I tend to lean toward right. that. My my order would be Jin, Dao, Ifridi, and then the, the Married. Mm. Um, yeah, no no particular reason, just how I would see them, how I like them. To the man that posed the question. Uh, well, I'll show some Dao love because I like the idea of Dao, and as we looked up this up, I'm really excited for my ideas of how I'm going to use them. Because I like the idea of manipulating terrain in the middle of a combat <laughs> and ruining everyone's. That was a great idea that we had. Um, after that, I think I would have to say my next favorite one was the Afridi because having Fierno was just very fun to play as. Mm -hmm. um, next would be. Uh, the Merid, because Luthan was also pretty fun, and I actually think I'll put Jin last, but that's because I just haven't used one yet, and it hasn't quite warmed up in my heart. That's interesting. Everyone has a first in a different category here. They are all clearly in their own respects. Dangerous. Definitely dangerous, powerful <laughs> creatures that Absolutely. should always be respected and feared. Mm. I think uh, we should uh, find our own genies and uh, make a few wishes. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Thank you for staying at the Bardic Inn. If you would like to hear more, we will be uploading new content Thursdays at noon PST on iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, and Podbean. If you have any recommendations on future content, you can leave a comment on these various platforms, or you can contact us on Twitter at the Bardic Inn, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Bardic Inn. We're your local bards, Daniel, Andrew, Dev, and Jake. Be inspired.